many other nations are going to have to confront history. And it's an important discussion to be having right now. It's, it's actually an important discussion the hip-hop nation needs to be having right now. And yeah, the, the truth sometimes is harsh and ugly and direct. That's life. in love Dubai and the whole UAE. This is Carlos Mayer from New York City here at the Dukan Show sharing peace, love, unity, hip-hop, and having fun. Hip-hop, hip-hop, Proceed and pass the time. <laughs> the Dukan, hosted by OT, Toothless, and Ishad. Carlos. <laughs> okay. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam, bro. What's going on? Yeah, man. Okay, so draw us your parallel between subway systems and the internet. Oh, that's a What? good one. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> no, no, there's another one. He, uh, <laughs> oh, you took time, man. Okay. And another one. I like All right. that. I like that. All right. <laughs> you know that that when I... Uh, first off, I'm analog, right? I come from an analog world. Right. And that when we were painting trains... Uh, even before painting trains, the network of subway system in New York is a very complex system... Of, of 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 train tunnels, physical train tunnels and train lines, but also communities, networks uh, that go from to five boroughs, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, really, e even interestingly enough, wirelessly goes to the fifth borough, meaning the boat. So when we talk about this idea of the internet and networking, um, it, the idea came to me once I got into technology in the early '90s that we were, my brother and I, Kel first, we were the first ones uh, really embracing this oncoming technology, but as a media platform for hip-hop culture. Mm. And given that we come from this underground network, we understood how information travel ideas and networks built because we spent a lot of time traveling from Manhattan, Bronx, Queens, um, and Staten Island, all the boroughs. Uh, and part of that was an exchange of ideas and culture, meaning we were writers. We were b-boys going to jams and we were going to events and clubs and so on and so forth. So with the idea, the advent of online, uh, first it was bulletin board systems. It wasn't you know, the internet as we know it now. It didn't have a graphical user interface. But once we got to that point of graphical user interface, we realized uh, right away that there was a way to, uh, in the future, if not at the moment, to amplify our message. And so looking at the idea of this network, this kind of virtual network and real network, real life network, that was the correlation. And at first we were delivering information on floppy disks and then CD-ROM. Uh, and then we, you know, CD-ROM because we started doing like immersive, interactive um, content. And this is, 
you know, ancient technology at this point, lingo, flash, and things like that, and, and whatnot. Um, but it was the idea of distribution through this network. And once we realized early on that perhaps um, there's a, there's not just a local network, there's a global network, right? Um, that all of a sudden this idea of the train map grew exponentially it was just like wait a minute this is wrapping around the world it's traveling faster so that was the early correlation to that you know and everywhere there was a stop to get off and discover every mm. everywhere there's a stop with a, a network or a community or a piece of information to get onto the network it's e exactly in the system yeah okay this leads me to my next question. <laughs> uh, so, if we're gonna say that there's a, there is a, there is street art, and due to street art, there's a street, uh, street aesthetic, or vice versa, is there tech art and a tech aesthetic? Of course, there is. Okay, can you? Because I'm, yeah. I've always wondered what is art in the post-internet, post-social media world. Yeah. What's happening now from your eyes, and what is tech art as, and slash, what is the tech Yeah, but the question, that, that was answered a long time ago by Marcel Duchamp. You know, like, what is art? He took a latrine and said, this is art. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, the, the, we, we often question art way too much. And we question it from a place of privilege rather than experience. And that... Um, I try to, I, I believe in the, one of the things that, put it this way, one of the great things that I've learned very early on in my journey about who's entitled to be called an artist and what is art, being an outsider who was never considered as such, uh, yet knowing I was, just because I was, not just me, but a generation, uh, and that I had to kind of find a way to understand that and contextualize that in the arc of history and saying, well, what we're, how does this relate to time? How do we relate to time? Where's our place in it in art? And what is art? And so, in, as I mentioned, Marcel Duchamp, it was like looking at our history and the struggles those young guys had and how to define themselves and their time and also the norms, also the, the, the class system that judged and dictated what art and art history was. And so in kind of researching that and then going deeper you go deeper into history uh, and the things that we treasure and love uh, that all cultures in the world have brought to us that they may not have thought was art that was out of necessity can you explain that a bit more um yeah africa is a great example a lot of the great indigenous art we look at it and these are, these are some you know modernism comes from african art and that these people didn't do it just to be artistic, it's necessary, there's rituals, there's customs are tied to these objects, and they're beautiful objects. Um, and that, look, that spans across time and cultures. And that it goes from, you know, from the f things that were either armaments, adornments, uh, uh, you know, um, religious and so on. And so the idea of dressing up artistically and creating things artistically mm. is inherent as a practice, as a natural practice. And one of the great examples I tell people, even kids, and people say, oh, I'm not artistic and this and that. And I say, well, let's look at how we consider art and the critique art. We critique art on many things, 
color, texture, structure, um, emotional qualities, and things like that. We do that every single day in many areas of our lives, composing ourselves, how we match up in our dress, how our food is composed, and things like that. There's this kind of artistic merit in all that. One, it's utilitarian, which is one thing. Um, but again, going which leads me back to this question, like, well, who gets to define what art is and what art isn't? How many times are we, you know, uh, Instagramming our food that comes in and looks beautiful? You think that, you know, we look at it as art. The chef is like, man, I got to serve another plate. Yeah. So the idea of what we value as art is is kind of a very high-minded concept. Mm. And, and I think a interesting question but one of that comes from a place of privilege and so if you're talking to me about street art and things like that is 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 that art is it well you know what of course it is it's for its time and place and certain people have a different criteria for what they feel is art and value in art uh, and aesthetic and stuff like that and if it's for you fine if it's not there's plenty of other art that may be for you you mentioned uh, art in a, from a util, utilitarian kind of perspective. I tried to bring this point up once amongst artists, and they were like... <laughs> I was in an artist, I was in a cluster of <laughs> no, artists, I and I decided to... Like, I was like, um, fucking art's not beautiful. <laughs> Why would you say that? I was just trying to be provocative, but I was... <laughs> there, there's the truth. So there was this there's idea of, um, okay, you're making a piece, what's the function of it? Is it just to stimulate? Is it just to provoke? And I was like... There, um, there was a time when a person who makes a, a, a vase or a vase, yeah, they, they put such detail into it that it's a work of art in that perspective. But she, this, this, this girl, she was like, no, that's an artisan, an artisan. What's the first part of that word? Art, yeah. which is, I'm trying to say it, but I'm like, some people differentiate. They, they call that artisanship, and then yeah. there's art. There's art, there's folk art, there's craft. It, it is, again... You know, the judgment sometimes is from a point of luxury and class and also experience. What is art? Who wants to say what is art? There, to, to me, um, again, part, part, and, and that's part, part, of, part of what's interesting in coming out of uh, the, the, the place of early graffiti and early hip-hop, before hip-hop, and place of, like where there's no privilege is you just do right mm -hmm. you just have to do you work from necessity you work from a place of influence you know you have your peers that are influencing you so that the, the validation comes from within you know within your community and the people who have the interests how many years have we gone where people were not validating us as artists and now we're showing in museums mm -hmm. So it's so subjective, and and it, and it again, the the validation came uh, initially. I mean, we were validating ourselves, but the greater public validation came from those who were the culture class. Mm. Now we've become the culture class, and so now we have the power to decide what is and isn't, and that doesn't mean it's always right. But then, wasn't the tipping point when the culture class that was above you? said okay that's dope that's art wasn't that the tipping point for graffiti did you need their validation uh, no because we took over the world 
we 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 still operate on our own terms. We don't need that. We we're the ones that kind of created this whole subgenre and marketplace for them, for ourselves and for them. But also, I think there's also, like I said, you know, part of having a discourse, that connection uh, with them. It was important to have their ear and their support. Oh, so you call it a discourse mm-hmm. with them, a discourse with the culture, the prevailing culture class. A- absolutely. You well, need that because you have to. Somebody has to educate them and bridge, bridge, yeah. bridge the 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 conversation. And again, not I have to say that no one in my generation was kind of bridging it the way I was because I was coming from a purely both emotional and academic space. But also because I was putting myself in front of art all the time. I was questioning history, histories, uh, and my place in it, and the journey of uh, men and women through art and culture. And like saying, like, fuck, I'm this kid from the South Bronx or Spanish Harlem, and what's my value in all this? What's the value of my peers? And why is it that, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Picasso's and Rothko's, and those guys are so important for their time, were so important for their time. Like, why can't we be seen this way? Or can we be seen this way? And so from that, I had to kind of extrapolate uh, what was of value, both culturally, emotionally, and aesthetically, and theoretically. And also within the, within the guidelines of what, was, you, what is the prevailing uh, critique of art and art making, so I could blast back. You know, so when I can hold. Back, what do you mean? Well, so I can defend myself yeah. and really be in that position, not give that position over to somebody who does not come from within, within this this cycle, this cipher. And many academics and many, you know, like nowadays, you create a blog or a fashion magazine or a gallery, and all of a sudden you become uh, a you publish a book, you become uh, a, a spokesperson or an expert. And that is part of a problem that I push back against because it's kind of rewriting history uh, in some way, not completely, because they're capturing the, you know, what's of the moment and of the time. But there's no analysis, there's no critique. And the, that's one of the problems that I find, that there hasn't been a, uh, a, a really critical review and assessment of aesthetic and quality. It's something that kind of discerns things. There's a documentation of what's happened and who's done it, which is great. Uh, But the bigger problem is how do we decipher uh, this really sophisticated art? They've done it for rap, which is fantastic. They have broken it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, B-boying still needs it. Uh, Mm. DJing has had it academically broke it down and uh so and graffiti still needs it and uh and b-boying still needs it as well and also the fifth element of knowledge of self right there's that kind of spiritual personal exploration that still needs to be dealt with um which is not which is which is an important component in terms of that communication between us quote-unquote them right the culture plus like well I don't know if it's the culture class. It's the culture class and it's the media class. It's the media class, I would say, because yeah, from 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 my perspective, anyways, I feel like we, when we say we, that that we that we embody when we talk about hip hop or urban culture, especially here in a place like this, where in Dubai, for example, where we're very much a part of the education. 
I I struggled to think about just this upper this culture class as you know an, an elite group of people that I have to kind of both pander to and also communicate with. But what I find I, what I find very difficult is the same thing we were talking about last time, which is we are missing that layer of turning it into a science. It, it, there is a science to it, and we've missed we we're missing that primarily because we lack apprenticeship. We lack apprenticeship and mentor. I believe we need mentors. And part of the amazing things about everything that you described earlier, which is um, the the rituals in, I believe in ritual. I believe in the process and the practice and the deep connection to a collective self that, you know, it, that's part of an inheritance that we give to each other. When you teach someone how to dance, just like I was taught how to dance, something is, something is passed to me. Something is connecting to me. But what that is, has not been broken down for me yet. And this constant pursuit of it, and in my constant pursuit of it, I feel empty often because it's not there. And I guess I don't know if what I've said made any sense at all. But, uh, absolutely. But, absolutely but that's, makes sense. You know. Because I, I, I believe that what... Look, what I did was an inheritance. It was a cultural inheritance that happened before me and happened before them. It, again... So much so that if you think about all these disciplines uh, that we talk about, the five pillars of hip hop, that is that's primal. Those are the yeah. things we've been working out f for millennia, and that in different iterations, different forms, different styles, different places, and stuff, and that we we are inheriting it for our time. So we have to reinterpret it for our time, and make the art of our time, and also the the, the both the intellectual and spiritual analysis of it for our time and hip-hop has does does that in 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 bits and pieces and it depends what and where you know and the problem is that there's so much focus on the media space right and so much focus on the celebrity space that we lose sight of all the fantastic work that's being done worldwide within communities, small communities. Can, can you describe those things? For, most people just know hip-hop through the media space, right? Right. So what are the other spaces? The, the community space are those who are like in the neighborhoods, you know, as crews, you know, teaching each other and challenging each other in community centers, uh, in, in, in schools. There's a huge push towards hip-hop education uh, for some time um, and you know part of look part of what I've taken on as a young man was that I need to have uh, a better understanding of myself and where I come from and what I do and as I started that journey and some of my peers started doing the same we we started to amplify that uh, within the community, and as we started getting access, gaining access to the world, we were s spreading that, right? Um, and talking about legacy, and also be, being an integral part of that legacy. Um, other countries abroad, and especially in Europe and Japan, took that seriously. Other yeah. countries mm -hmm. really do a deeper dive in terms, they know our history better than we know our own. Mm. We value it differently. Um, that said, what I discovered and some of my peers was that we had to structure that in a certain way and bring that 
bring that approach between community and academia closer, uh, bridge those gaps. And um, I have a dear friend, Martha Diaz, in the U.S., who's been at the forefront of hip-hop education uh, in academia. And she brought me in as a, a scholar at NYU, uh, and, and I collaborated on, with her in the beginnings, and she's continuing to do this work with the Hip Hop Education Center, which is an online portal. So we see we're adapting to the time, and we created a portal that where we can create cur curriculum or have communities build curriculum with us uh, that um, can be used for education. Uh, you know, there's there's that part of it which is really important because then there's the kind of like how do you take um, these disciplines and construct them to be relative to core standards of teaching, whether it's mathematics, history, yeah. science, uh, and so on. I think that's similar to what Narsi has been trying to do, isn't it? What? By trying to bring this to an academia space. So a friend of ours... Oh, yeah, in... Uh, um, so he, in Montreal. He, in Montreal. Yeah. So he's a rapper as well, and now... He also teaches in university. He teaches these hip hop courses. He tries to bring in. There are plenty of people. Such yeah, there's plenty yeah. of movement in there in academia and Ivy League schools and uh, that part of it. And and again, it's it's in time. Look, you got to remember, we're still very young, and yeah. we're sort of getting into those positions. Well, of you know, influence. so like you you mentioned curriculum, right? Uh, my understanding is that curriculum supposed to produce a human being of a certain type that's able to do X Y Z, a professional of sorts in in some kind of field, right? Um, is it the case that hip hop is is put into curri curriculum to be taught as a part of history, um, or uh, is it that uh, there is hip hop curriculums to produce a certain type of human being? And you're forgetting one, a particular type of artist. What do you mean? And because it's it's an art, it's art. You're you're learning art. You have you have yeah. You can have again. It's just a gateway for us to kind of want understand and learn and and you know analyze but it's also it's it's a gateway to our own creativity because mm. the one thing that we kind of forget sometimes is because we what my experience with university was very much that like we that was where i met my the artists because that's where you you that's where revolutions begin because you have the time to sit and contemplate learn how to deconstruct learn how to analyze and learn how to find your own voice in that analysis because that's not something that someone who comes out of high school may necessarily have in the modern like western school system so if you're going to build an artist you're going to need to be able to deconstruct and put it back together in your own way everything we have is inherited right mm. so that's why when we say we miss when we're missing that kind of um, that kind of person brilliant artists get built in universities even though I know that there's this kind of um, movement to kind of say that's not necessarily the path for an artist now it's a place where you learn to deconstruct and that's something where I learned how to deconstruct mm. you know but, but then you you, ha you even had this whole post graffiti idea as well, right? You were trying to look yeah. at yourself as okay after after um, being a style master, I think is what they call it. After being that version of yourself, you wanted to go into this other area, right? So you're looking at yourself as, as in your you're looking at your artistic path as there's something after this. So so hip hop is a starting point, 
or is it can it be its its own endpoint? You know what I mean? Can you can you can you exist within the hip hop circle as well and produce art just for hip hop hip hop heads? If you choose to, if that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I found that to be um, both satisfying and and limiting. I think, okay, right. I, I think that you, you know again, it's it's we when I talk about my my journey, it is a a a journey. Uh, that is more attuned to the history of mankind and um, the world. And so that what I learned as a craft was really just the gateway to a greater understanding of myself, the world around me, and those, those that are around me. Hip-hop is just a vehicle. It's, it's, it's a legacy that has actually enabled all this for me, that brought me here to you. Uh, but look at the things we're talking about, right? As a, like broader-minded issues yeah. and concerns, um, and and that you know, while I'm an artist of my generation, I also think that it's important to be uh, as current and forward-thinking as possible uh, to be always at the cusp of what's next and there's something inherently difficult about that too you, because uh, so much of what I've done has shaped this this genre and it is something that in, in some respects not really quite understood and the things the many firsts that I've done and accomplished and laid the blueprint for uh, this this you know that that's not what's important as much as you know where I am today and what am I looking at for tomorrow. Um, that you know, I think speaks to the greater part of of where I'm at, but also kind of reaches back to say, you know, if if I can do it, you can do it. You know, everybody's got that. We talked earlier about the hero's journey, and it's this journey you keep going, and and that. You know, uh, from the modest. Well, I, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in, in in a war zone. So let's be real about it. So that there's a lot that comes with that, and that it would be a shame to limit my my work and my discussion to that. Just hip hop, isn't mm. it? It's just much more to that, right? And that there are many people in many areas of of life that. Uh, one, you can share that or share that version of it. They have their version of it that you can share together. Um, and that's part of a, 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 a healing process, right? Um, hip-hop was born out of trauma. Uh, and that trauma is not easily erased. Um, and, uh, you know, in this post-hip-hop world, we, we in a way, there is there is this kind of sense that we are uh, retracting back to this place, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it physically, uh, emotionally and psychologically it does. And that's why we're seeing kind of like this underground swell now that galvanizes us through hip hop, but activated politically, socially and consciously, spiritually. And this is a such an opportune time, and I recognize it. I just like, wow, this looks really, looks and feels really familiar to me. But yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's dressed up a little nicer. 
I get that. Would that be because, I mean, especially uh, what I'm trying to ask is that for people who have never, who have not been part of that world necessarily or part of that uh, upbringing, but then you go to any part of the planet today, you find youth and kids that find themselves attracted towards us like a magnet that kind of draws them in. And they don't necessarily understand the language sometimes. But then they instantly want to associate themselves to it. Um, I mean, looking in this room alone, you have graffiti artists to be boys to MCs, right? Um, is it that just this, as as a space, it became something that was beyond your generation and your time, and it's actually just a new a, a space that kind of accepted people for who they are, and because it was born in trauma, a time of trauma people found it attractive enough to want to get involved or be part of it. Yeah, there's something about, like, uh, you know, appropriating somebody else's trauma. Mm. You see that online. You see that that's that's kind of an easy way out, you know, to show empathy and uh, uh, alliance, which, shit, you have no experience mm. and no privilege with. Um, and But there is something about solidarity, and, and in spirit and and the, this whole culture is a youth experience and movement look because i grew up in a certain time and place where it felt like it, you know my environment was like berlin after the war you know what that's Ber that's aleppo at the moment that's other places in the world where youth will try to find their voice and their art and their dance and their way forward this is happening everywhere you know and so when people say to me well hip-hop is dead all these you know it's all about fancy kicks and this and that and i was like yeah i get that part you know what hip-hop was always aspirational and and trying to co-op a culture that wasn't theirs right mm -hmm. we were always like trying to wear the latest clothes and just kind of fit into that yeah. class right so it's kind of a you know kind of a reversal of that in a way and um you know whether I agree with it or not is irrelevant you know someone's experience is is that and there is again you know things that resonate uh, with people who are not uh, of it to be in it and I know that there are, there are spaces in my creative world and mind that I'm, I'm you know I don't come from that background but I definitely want to be like step into that room yeah. um, do, I do, you know what I mean it's like I don't come from a uh, uh, you know a Ivy League school or anything like that but yeah, I love to kind of step my, my foot in there and have that position to listen and debate and uh, teach and learn um, you know to what result I don't know but it's kind of like why the hell not yeah. And that's the attitude, that's the interesting attitude about the culture. It's it's that daring to go into spaces where it doesn't belong. Or not essentially that, that, that it thought it didn't belong. Yeah. Because why don't we belong there? The artist in you. Um, my The first time I ever saw you was in Style Wars, like in that, that little, little clip. And, yeah. and now, now seeing you, you, obviously many years later, um, where does... How does an artist like you, who sits at the, who, who's always at the forefront of 
of his craft. Where does your ego sit in all of that? Like, how, do, how does an artist tackle ego when you're supposed to be your own ego? Like, and I, that's a very difficult question to answer, but I always wonder about it. Well, I've worked on that, so it's an easy question for me. And that um, <coughs> there's, a, there's an interesting saying about ego, E-G-O, edging God out. Yeah. And hmm. that one of the things that I, I certainly always felt was that I was on purpose, uh, emotionally and spiritually, creatively about my craft, um, and that I had options, you know, and I had uh, I had a reason for I have a reason for doing what I do uh, that can shape shift at any given time that I want, um, and that you know, despite my accolades and the craft that I. I have and the skill sets that I have, I don't think that truly defines who I am and my journey and my experience. And that the, you know, most people, the end result is, you know, the museum shows, the galleries and things like that, and the sales. And yes, those things come. Those come, they, they, they come. But I found, you know, richer rewards in other areas of my life and, and in many industries. Like where? Know. Like where are well, the richer rewards found? Well, you know, the richer rewards for me are in the engagements that I have with people and communities and one being able to actually use my voice because sometimes the work doesn't quite say what I need to say to have these kinds of conversations which are the most important conversations the work is the work you know and 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 look let's be for real we're in a business that in particularly in the art business you're placating to wealthy people and people yeah. that have money and status and so on if you need that to make you feel important and relevant fine you can do that uh there's room for that i can go in and out of that easily and i do um but my success and my you know my 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 purpose has been driven by uh uh, tenants that I I I developed over years through my own sacrifice and those of others and my you know my own you know and I don't want to sound too humble or too corny about it it's that you know what I I operate in a space between the one percent and the zero percent and I'm in the middle I'm okay you know I can go either way yeah and that um that that in that I can find satisfaction and purpose in both sides of that and that the work ultimately that I do what I will ultimately be remembered for and I hope is how I've shaped lives and how I've influenced lives and that also those who have shaped my life um, that comes through Um, you know that said you know my, my ego is I think pretty healthy because I think in terms of art making and and just progressive thinking hip-hop has taught me or the culture has taught me how to be competitive yeah uh competitive for ideas so there were it's one of the reasons I I stepped into many industries right away and pushed and tried to be you know at the forefront on top of my game about that whether it's technology fashion I mean you name the industry I touched uh that there's a part of the ego that's driven to um, uh, express myself 
um, at the at the very highest level I can. Yeah. So that that's the blueprint for somebody else mm. as well. But and what is it that I, I I think the question that I'm trying to uh, that I'm trying to ask is what is it that drives you? Like, what are the sacrifices that you've made? What, what, and and I, I, I wonder about that because I, I know when I watch artists who shape, who, cre who write the blueprints, the sacrifices mm. aren't obvious. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, you know what? I always say I make, I, I make the struggle look really good. Yeah, I, you do. <laughs> you really I, do. That's exactly I, what it is. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that if, if, in fact, you have a sense of quality of life, Um, and character and can recognize that in outside yourself and amongst others, you're good. Can you break that down a bit? Well, that, you know, for instance, I'm here in Dubai. It's a cross-sections of a lot of things, you know? I can be hanging out with the B-boys one minute and I could be at the Posh Hotel the next minute, right? And that, in that, I can recognize the value and the comfort in both spaces and also that of the people in those spaces. That it's all good. We are, you know, in that, on that same, uh, on, a, on, a, on a personal level, connecting, yeah. you know? It has no judgment in terms of our status or Our, our, our place in life um, that as I you know I take this you know this journey as I'm doing now in, in this part of the this part of the world that um, you know I'm, I'm self-aware look I know I first of all I know I like luxury I know I'm, I have an aesthetic but I also have a tremendous love and connection to craft and local people and that which is Uh, authentic you know that I, I'm comfortable with and so there's no there's no discomfort in terms of how I travel you know and with the artists I meet you know what well, well, are you a better b as the best b-boy in the world or are you the best painter that doesn't matter you're expressing yourself you're good in my eyes you're good I'm proud of you I'm proud that you're doing something that uh, we have offered or I had a small part in right uh, then again there's this other part that as you draw into this space of of high you know sort of let's say high mindedness high mindedness yeah that was the right? word that I thought we that um, in that well then I can contribute to that conversation somehow mm. or And if I can't, at least I can be an observer. Mm. You know? And so, you know, that's kind of the way I travel through all of this. And, you know, very well aware of my position in all of this and not at all uncomfortable. I mean, I've sat with many powerful people in my life, very interesting people in my life, world leaders that have shaped the world and that it is it's not by coincidence right it's kind of those things that have kind of like said it's the work you've done with your hands it, it's that but it's also what I've observed and what I've been taught lessons you know people you know I mean it may not be directly toward me but 
toward the world. Um, you know, one of the things that I've talked, showed earlier was that, you know, I had dinner with Mandela at my family, Mandela, and all this time. here I am sitting with the, one of the most amazing men in the world and who doesn't even have to say anything. And then another great man, Muhammad Ali, comes in out of nowhere. And those, the, that kind of interaction with the world and the proximity that, of that to me is the lesson, right? Mm. It's not the celebrity, it's not that and all that. It's that what these people I have idolized, that we all idolize and all that, that have been our teachers, uh, the moral compass of the world, yeah. um, that by being in proximity to that and even by even summoning their names, you can't like not attach their journey to that right and the values to that so that you're kind of in check about yourself you can see the uh, wheels in jib's head <laughs> yeah no, no and but I, I i appreciate that so much because a part of me also feels like when we when we summon when we summon even just the mere mention of someone's name who's owned their journey so deeply that it's affected and rippled so far um we forget that 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 is what it does. It it checks us. It puts it us. Puts it puts it's, it puts us in check. Mm -hmm. And I forget about that practice. I always kind of just I look and I I respect and I, I I take the you know I take the things that I believe can empower my journey. But I forget that it also puts me. It does a little tap and it puts me back in line when I stray. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that. That's actually pretty cool. When you travel around the world and you see like what hip hop's become, like what's that like? Because that's something that I we can't kind of. Um, empathetically kind of understand you'd have to explain it to us mm. so what's that like like what's it like being the the human one of the human beings in the world when you walk around you're like i was so in this movement that it now it's so big type of thing. um it's it's moving it's deeply emotional for me and and personal uh because you see it in so many places so many versions of it so many similar you know it, it goes from you know from your footwear to your clothes to your language to the music to uh things you don't even expect you know that really uh move you and 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 i'll, and I'll share one moving experience i had in, in saudi arabia um which was fascinating we we as a group went to uh a, a, a place called the help center which which is a beautiful building for where they take care of kids with disabilities and so on and so forth. So wonderful experience, wonderful nurses, doctors, and everybody in there and whatnot. And so there was a showcase that we put on with Words, Be Words Beats, and Life, which is an organization out of Washington, D.C., and they brought me, DJ Kid Dragon, MC Jesus, uh, Pop Master Fable. MC Jesus? Yeah. What a name. Yeah. And, uh, and myself. Uh, me not being the performer, I had the opportunity to be the audience. So there's, you know, they have a stage and in and, and half circle, they have seating arrangements and they brought out something over like 200 kids, young kids. Um, and, you know, the MC and the DJ were performing and the kids were like really into it and just really into it, like into clapping and singing and dancing 
But what took me by surprise was that um, when when Fable was dancing, some of the kids came on stage to dance, and and a few of them, young kids with some kind of learning disability, started dropping down and b-boying. Just on wow. the whim. Just on the whim, and I'm like, obviously there's. YouTube yeah. and movies and things like that, but to observe that from um, from an insider outsider perspective, correct, yeah. and that and saying, well, here you are with a disability, uh, whatever that may be, that you have been touched by us in some way, in a very distant way, and. Um, you just get down and you express yourself and it was not just one person there were a couple kids that got down like that mm. so that was really powerful for me and emotional and that I'll never forget that and I'll never forget that this is the gift um, that my friend Fable has given back he's playing it forward right and that that's a powerful uh, that's a that's a power within us and the blessing upon us to be able to do that um, but also to receive because he's, we were all receiving back we were all like to have all these kids join in on this was pretty amazing so in that way you see it that way uh, but then also when we were in the embassy compounds and stuff like that that yeah there were like b-boy crews that came in and were damn good there were MCs and poets so it is it is when you see that within you know the confines and the restrictions of what takes place in that country when you see that that there's no wall there's no barrier there's no uh, body of ocean that separates us um, um and more importantly even beyond that uh you know in in, in in kind of a um, spiritual or ephemeral way, these these things which we are interested in take part in are this kind of like echo of history pulling forward. And yeah, you see that throughout time. And then some of us as artists start to recognize that in our craft, that like, the deeper we go into researching and seeing those correlations, how much that transforms our craft and you're seeing that more and more it's getting more and more sophisticated it's getting more and more universal and language and sound and movement and art all that is transforming really fast because all of a sudden we have access to history in the world the subway systems expanded everybody's getting on yeah. getting off type of thing yeah it's no longer it's no longer uh, um, in its predictable places and placement, we're just like all out, anywhere, anytime, by any means. Okay, you talk about how it all, um, it's history, um, the echo of history go through the people, right? Mm -hmm. um, do we have to keep reminding people what it is so that they don't have to go back to search for it? Or do we have to let them do their thing and hope they search for where it comes from? You know, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And and I have a, I have a quote I always say about things like that. Uh, you know, well, I used it particularly for art, but this was so true. 
uh, when I said uh, the history of art is always correcting itself. And that without, for instance, without the advent of, you know, the technology where we share a lot of information and so on and so forth, we were kind of limited in our historical perspective, mm. you know. So it wasn't easy to correct what you read in a book unless you publish a book or made a movie. Um, now we have uh, an open source society, so we get the power to write our history, and we need we have the power to edit it. Wikipedia is a powerful example of that. So we have these platforms, right, that we are able to um, uh, kind of create. And now I'm going to get geeky on you, but this kind of site architecture, right? How things correlate and fit into place. Okay. Um, and that's a power that an eight-year-old has as much as an 80-year-old. So are you saying that hip-hop culture is a, is a broad thing? Is there things that you'd correct about it? Rephrase that for me. Well, looking back, you guys are just freewheeling and doing what you do just because you want to do it, right? And then the things kind of expanded out there. Now, years later, you're going around seeing how it's shaped things. Would you say, oh, when we express these types of ideas, maybe we should have expressed it in a different way, or maybe we should we should have done better about learning X, Y, Z? Well, here's the thing. we, The way we're building right now and talking, this is not, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up talking like this and and having this kind of insight he has you know as a young man he's the privilege of his time and place right now to have access to that information and you know um, thoughtfulness in the midst of our experience up until the advent of technology and even to our surprise, our own success, we were very basic. For, for me, anyway, I had to find the words and the, um, not just the words, but the knowledge and experience to be able to defend myself and my culture, both critically, analytically, aesthetically, so that when I step into a gallery or I step into a museum or give a lecture that I can and, and I, so I can hold court and defend myself um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a deeper meaningful way that not I, that I'm not being offensive or trying to like you know over overextend my position um, and what we're seeing now is that uh, with the success of the culture is that it's learning that it's taking ownership it's you know pride and it's it's also important does the culture still have to defend itself of course yeah. it does all cultures every culture is, is on defense right now who was it that said when when we were at Soul DXB Big Hass said that there was an arrow there was a word that he'd said that second level like that second second sit what is that word? Habit. Habit. It's the Arabic word for like second, like a demoted like a citizenship. Demoted station, yeah. yeah, like as, and so he said in Saudi we 
the you know the, the MCs and the rappers were looked at with the word called habit. Where you have to defend yourself. We're still you know that's a part of the language. So when someone comes home and says, "Oh, Narcy's album is poetry, mom. This is poetry. It's not uh, you know it's not violence." That's us defending ourselves. But is it yeah. a defense that's that other? You're saying every culture has. <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All all the time. All the time. Yeah. But I feel like the cultural see that, like, class example, doesn't have to defend them. Does the cultural class have to do? Defend I think they I do. Think, yeah. I think they, they do. have to defend themselves from us. Yeah. I, well, it's true, yeah. and I think, but I think they do primarily because when you're dominant, you have to protect that dominance. If you're hegemonic, even yeah. you still have and to protect that. And when you're second or third your, place your trying to come up, yeah. you gotta be on a defense as well to protect when, that. When climate. Look, look at what look at what we've been able. Like I mean, from an entrepreneurial perspective, look at what we've been able to do. Because when I'm hungry, I will fight to take you out. I don't care. I'll take your knees out. I'll take your legs out. I'll take whatever I have to do. I'm gonna do it. Because I have something to say. Gangsta. No, but that's it. That's it. What you, this didn't get built because yeah. I, I, I waited for someone to... So you then know. Is, is Style Wars a culture war? Absolutely. We've been in a culture war since... But who is this forever? We? But who is this we? we, as a, <laughs> we as, no, we as a civilization. We as ideas, right? We as, as spirits. And that is that is kind of what... I think is important and that with you know with that challenge comes comes out the best and worst in us and that in our comfort we you know we cannot be comfort see the thing is that in, in our in our comfort we start developing hubris and we forget and that we are that's why we are so conflicted in the world today and that's where the artisans and the poets and the, the theorists why they're so valuable because they provide each other insight constructive insight that beyond art and craft inform us of where we are um, where our potential lies where our conflict lies and otherwise um, and you know, granted, the the class that's very comfortable, um, you know, understandably have so much distance between them and the rest of the world, right? Um, that they have to protect that which is lies within their bo- their boundaries, right? Their borders. They, they, that's that's understandable. We do the same. Till we shift. Till we shift. But then when you shift as well, you're still fighting. You're still defending. You're still, mm-hmm. Then you're in a defensive position. But it doesn't not, always have to be a fight, it's right? It's not an all-out war. It, 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 has to be, like why we have it has to be a partnership, right? Yeah. There has to be a partnership and people to bridge that. I mean, that's what you do. You guys all, we're all bridging this today, right? Mm. And that is that is a healthy way to do it. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have points of... Difference. Know, d- differences or departures of ideas and stuff like that. We, you, you know, the you, you know, one thing that I find that's really kind of troubling is that discourse, right? Especially now in in I know what you're going in say, many yeah. countries, and especially in our country, it is too contentious, mm. right? Mm. That it forgets the commonality, it forgets the arc 
of history and our experiences that shape that opinion. And that has to be unraveled. It's not just something you just put on the table and this is it and walk away. It doesn't, that doesn't resolve anything. The, when we talk about culture, right, and especially about culture class now, culture class is, is very privileged right now and is less about culture than uh, consumerism, voyeurism, um, and um, you know this this idea of self branding, personal branding, personal branding, right? Um, and in many ways, that's nothing new. That's always happened throughout history, but now it's so exacerbated by technology um, and our ego and our possessions. Um, that what does it produce? Well, so that kind of goes back to that idea of now in the post-internet, post-social media world, what is the expression that's happening, right? And you're saying the expression that's happening is um, it's more of a materialistic kind of expression or something. It, in some part, it is, but it, but I also look. You, you can't you, look. We cannot ignore the elephant in the room when you have movements like. It's three sixty. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> you, you know when you have, you know when you have great political shifts like Arab Spring, Black Lives Matter, things like that. That's important. Those are critical, and and, and right for their time. Um, because one, they amplify the problem. Two they can resurrect history and put that in your face like boom you know and it's interesting because this morning i saw a great debate between two uh you know i can't, I can't even call them journalists they're, they're on fox news they're, mod <laughs> they're 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 two moderators or something one white one black the white guy was arguing about the issue of a young black woman 10 years old or something like that that didn't want to pledge allegiance in school mm. and that he found it reprehensible and the black man was like look you know she's entitled to that the other guy saying well like no you know after all these people who served and died in war and the black families he's like look black guy was like look her family served many people served you know since historically and got the short end of the stick so what are you talking about and the guy was like really digging in on him so till the brother came out his face was like look you know you are up you're talking from a place of privilege yeah. and thinking that a young person today does not have the awareness and the insight to say i can't accept this and he was judging her parenting not thinking that her parents served, and their her their parents served, right? So it's this is ignorance, right? And then it just got really deep because the guy was like, "Well, then you, you guys should go back, leave, go back to you." Go, go. You saw this, right? And he was like, "He was a nation of Islam, wasn't he?" No, no, no. Wasn't he No. And then he just kind of broke and said, "Look, if you really want to get real about it." You go back where you came from. You stole this land from the Native Americans. Yeah. And if you ask Native Americans, they'd kick you out before they kick us out. And it's like, you know, that's part of the, the, the struggle. Um, my nation, 
many other nations are going to have to confront history, right? Um, and it's an important discussion to be having right now. It's it, it's actually an important discussion the hip hop nation needs to be having right now, because um, Lord knows we all miss public enemy mm. and things like that artists like that who were conscious yep. rappers and yeah the, the truth sometimes is harsh and ugly and direct that's life and what is important in all of this uh especially as an artist who's kind of just kind of traversing from country to country that um my journey and when we talk about ego and stuff like that, I could easily be blowing up my ego for all kinds of opportunities. In some ways, I'm, it's a, I make those opportunities happen, but more importantly, I'm engaged. I met you guys, everyone in this room, and has been thoroughly engaged, engaging you, your place and where you're at. I know where I'm at. You guys know more about where I'm at than most people know in, in the States. And that kind of discourse is really important because we are we are we are in while not in the same generational space, right? In the same cultural space, and that the way we share each other's information and interests is very important because that gives hope. That's where hope lies, and that's where the ideas lie, and that's where I think. Um, the best opportunities for us to um, thrive and survive lie because we're finding commonality uh, and not conflict. A lot of those who are opposed to us and this kind of liberty and this open, open mic kind of session are by and large um, threatened out of, out of, either, either out of uh, an ignorance we're not aware of or privy to, whether it's religious, uh, whether it's political, whether it's economic, and so forth. So there's a way to engage that both very um, intelligently, gently, but very firm. I call it the James Baldwin approach, you know, who's a brilliant writer and, and eloquent and, you know, quick to hit you with a hammer but hug you afterwards and say I love you hammer of reality and uh, that's what that's what the arts and culture can do that's what your generation now has uh, uh, the luxury of being able to do in a way that was never afforded you we've never had so many young people in a position to influence and change the world as we do now um. So you were in Turkey. I don't know when though. You went to Turkey. Yeah, a couple I've, of years. Two times I've been. And, and um, I read that you were working with uh, Islamic scholars. Yeah. What was that like? What What was that experience like? Wow, that was crazy. I mean, crazy good. It was interesting because I was brought out uh, by colleagues from Duke University, uh, some Islamic scholars, um, to Turkey to meet with. Tell me, religious scholars are scholars of Islam. So, scholars of Islam. Let me let me clarify. Uh, well, renowned scholars, I might add, and that at at first I wasn't sure because I really did not know, don't know much 
um, and I am learning about Islam and this part of the world and so on, and that my interest has always been culturally in this about this region, artistically, really, you know, uh, I think that was part of what I was looking for in my work and also uh, in terms of a, a human experience. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. What I didn't know or fully grasp at the time when I finally got to Turkey was that I'm in a room of scholars from the U.S. and Turkey uh, and State Department folks and university folks and artists uh, for about four days of open dialogue as to how we engage the public with art and culture to be self-reflective and engage because I think what we obviously they were trying to avert what we see now well, yeah. great idea a little too late this is a cultural diplomacy exercise isn't it this is absolutely it right this is soft diplomacy soft diplomacy and somehow I fell into this role because I've fallen into this role and can be uh, I think have the kind of I, I don't know what it maybe I speak a certain way or I think a certain way or um, am talented in a certain way I certainly felt a bit out of place but not so out of place out of place because we are talking about a region and a culture way too, par too way, first of all way too perplexed for them and for myself so what I but I had a presentation ready, right? I had a presentation about how youth worldwide through art were shaping the world around them politically and creatively. And for certain, I knew they didn't know anything about this. Uh, and we started seeing the impact of it through Arab Spring. Um, and certainly we saw it through hip hop in New York and so on and other things since then. So I gave this powerful presentation. I said, look, this is what's happening and what can happen and what will continue to happen as, as we see today. And so it was part of kind of engaging, you know, trying to figure out solutions. And, and ultimately, nothing came of it. Actually, the one thing that did come out of it, which was really great, I met um, this writer called Turbo, who was one of the first generation Turkey hip-hop heads, mm. uh, graffiti writer. So old school, I get into his car, he's like, yo, I don't play any MP3s, <laughs> I play cassettes or CDs, and he puts on Public Enemy. Mm. That's just for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's like, I have Public Enemy. <laughs> so, again, I found my kindred spirit I find my kindred spirits wherever I go, the tribe, we're this tribe. Um, and so get, getting there with him, I immediately do a deep dive, kind of like I've been doing here with Frez and Tamer and all you guys, right? So that um, that gives me an access in a way that the State Department doesn't. And that kind of work also gives me an access that you guys can't give me. So I get to see both sides of it. And it was powerful because I think going, having that experience and being able to um, 
be engaged with folks who are very well versed on this region and Islam and the conf- oncoming conflicts and stuff like that uh, help me in the way that um, one, I'm informed about it and can think crit- creatively and critically as to what solution, what how, what service can I be, right? Like how do, how can I be a part of this through soft diplomacy or otherwise? Um, but the other thing that came out of it, which was great, Turbo said, "Look, the Para Museum, this, this girl I know, and I'm, he's helping curate this big show at this museum, and they were bringing street artists in and graffiti artists and this stuff to this." the next year and we ended up coming back the next year and doing this amazing exhibition and so that the world this new world what I was professing to these folks like and I said to them I says look this is I'm just one example I was like you brought me here look at what what the minute I land look what happens you know good okay you told them that yeah wow I said look I'm this is what happens. It's like the Ummah, but like it's hip-hop, you know what I mean? Right. Wherever you land, you find something. You find your people. And they'll come to you. Oh, they'll find you, right? That goes to the concept of tribe. And it goes beyond politics. Yeah, yeah, but I also think it goes goes to the concept of deeply knowing, like knowing your purpose. You know, I think when we're kind of really, it was the same with Dukan, once we kind of defined that we own this as ours, everything started to kind of fall into place, and it does fall into place. It's exactly, it's defining, once you define that deeper purpose. You take ownership of it. That's it, no matter where you go in the world. So you're no longer like this floaty thing in the universe. Now you're rooted to something. It's the law of attraction. Very yeah. simply, and, yeah. And that we, um, we, we asked the universe for this to have this. I asked. I want to be heard. I want to be connected. And here I am. This is not just by coincidence. I've been asking for this and continue to ask for this. From the first time yeah. you put it onto a train that moved out there. Yeah. Maybe deeply. Mm-hmm. Even even deeper than that. You know, through my youth, trying to escape the harshness of war. That's a dope way to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got you. There it is, Dubai. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dubai's Thank been you. very kind to me. Pumpkin pie.
I love her like Egyptian On the description, my royal highness So many pluses when I busted, there can't be no minus Went from yelling crickets and crows, bitches and hoes to queen things Over the years I've been up on my toes And yes, I sing things like Kiroi, Chiboy Because them folks might think you soft talking like that Man, fuck them niggas, I'm going off and coming right back Like boomerangs when you throw them With these old ghetto poems, think it is better for them When they can let they throw them Down from hitchhiking and biting niggas into the temple They call the body, now everybody got it, had it Talked about it amongst they friends Coming around my crew, looking jazzy, wanna pretend Like you miss good at four shoes, even bone knew that you got coats Like acupuncture patients while our nation is a broke, straight sinking I hate thinking that these the future mamas of our chillin' They fucking a different nigga every time they get the feeling too I'm willing to go the extra kilo Need it just to see my senorita get her pillow On the side of my bed where no good ever stayed House and doctor was the games we used to play But now it's real jazzy, bill. Play a real player, not no flop. Having the very best of life, lobster steak and perion. Smoking an ounce a week and every single day with personal freaknik. Tricking these holes in polo clothes, life as you conceived it, but your conception, deception. Looking into your eyes, I see your weapon and it's depressing. They're digging up in your thighs, leaving deposits, keeping your closets open, knocking your boots and jaws, hoping to get you strong like bear bars. Steadily calling me Antoine, cause you thinking that you my lady, bitch, don't play me cause you're danky. I wanted to hit that ass for me and a goodie, we got danky. So thank me. You wanted that stuff, don't play your list of game. You was the only one to blame. A nigga don't even know your name, it's a shame. You cocking them up and fucking a nigga like Tupac up. I'm leaving these hoes to be the flowers and wake, don't get me. See, I gotta be feeding my daughter, teach her to be that natural warm. You'll be waiting to exhale while you other hoes be done. Okay, check this out right here now. See, we get no good in the black on black, lack no star. Windows are tinted so that no one knows who us are. Talk bad about her nigga, guaranteed to snap like bra. Straps sticking together like grandma and grandpa par in this doggy dog world. Kitty cats be scratching on my furry coat to curl. Up with me and my bowl of kibbles and bits I want to earl. Cause most of the girls that we was liking in high school now they dyking. <laughs> Have no mercy for the disrespect their ones. Some be hanging around the crew looking for funds. Dumb, deaf and fine. They be asking me all about mine, how she do and how she be. I know she's sipping that wine behind my back. They squawk like vultures, off and on like twins of coaches, baby. Hey, he faking it like they sculptured nails. But they can go to hell and lay with Lucifer because they burn it anyway. Big boy user and abuser.
Conversation with the guys at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Dukan Show. Subscribe to the show on your iTunes and Stitcher to stay up to date. And if you like what you hear, give it a rating. Dukan is hosted by OT, Irshad, and Tufus. You can also reach them on their personal social media profiles at OT Official and at Irshad underscore INI. And you can also reach Tufus at soundcloud.com slash Firas Tash Salam. Feel the bass inside your waist. Jones the dance, we rockin' it Feel the bass inside your soul Rockin' it, shockin' it, yes We're out to front and belly to belly Come on, me and you got to dance together Front to front and belly to belly Come on, me and you must dance together Step front, front, back, side to side Step front, front, back, side to side Step front, front, back, side to side Back side to side, back side to side Step open up, back side to side Open up, back side to side Step, open up, back side to side Step, side to side Oh, darling I just like to groove with you Come on, come on I like it when you whisper in my ear Nobody, 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 nobody but you You're making me keep time One, two, three, four Darling, you look so fine You do, you do Smelling like Tunisian mud Ooh, ah You're making me feel high So high, so high, so high, so high I just got to groove with you Come on, come on I just got to dance with you, baby Come on, come on You ain't got to say a thing I already know why you came Cause I just got to dance with you Baby, you just got to dance with me Tonight, I swear, I'll put that 
you gotta do is just walk away and pass me by. Don't acknowledge my smile. Yeah, when I try to say hello to you. Yeah, and all you gotta do is not answer my calls when I'm trying to get through. Keep me wondering why, why, why And all I can do is sigh I just want